and welcome to Spawn, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. And I'm Liz Gumbiner, and we're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. And today, we're going to be talking to Allie Wenske about whether or not it might be time for you to move and how to make it easier when you do. So much good stuff. I can't wait. I love this book. I have no plans on moving anytime soon. I know you don't either, Liz, but there is so much good stuff in here. So I can't wait to talk to Allie. And as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week. But first, let's talk a little bit about our guest. Oh my gosh. She's amazing. Yes. Allie Winsky's a yes. moving expert. That is actually a thing. She's been called the Marie Kondo of moving, which I would have called her having read the book. It's, uh, I mean, I'm saying as someone who's not moving right now, this very second, it's really good. She's the author of The Art of Happy Moving, How to Declutter, Pack, and Start Over While Maintaining Your Sanity and Finding Happiness, which sprung from her blog, The Art of Happy Moving. Allie and her husband, Dan, moved 10 times to six oh states gosh. in 11 years. That's more than you, Kristen. <laughs> So she I know, and I've moved a lot. <laughs> and she's a mom herself and a graduate of Harvard and Stanford Law School. And her advice has been featured in Real Simple, Forbes, Fast Company, and now Spawned. So welcome, Allie. Thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast, and I'm so excited to be a guest on it. Thank you. We, I mean, I'm not kidding. Like, Kristen's the mover around here. Like, she's probably <laughs> lived in seven homes since we've worked together, and I've been in the same one the whole time. That's true. But That's I true. loved this book. It's so fun to read and I wouldn't have expected that about a book about moving. <laughs> well, thank you. So I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I've moved a lot, like Liz said, over the last 20 years. So almost as close as yours, like around 10 times, but certainly not in, you did 11 years, which, wow. So, you know, I'm kind of fainting just hearing those numbers. Like, how, how did this happen? Were you just like, I don't like it here. I'm going to go here. You know, I don't like it here. I'm going to go here. Like, tell us what happened. How did this come about? Well, I wish I could pretend that we're romantic nomads that go where the wind <laughs> takes us. But we're, it was practical. We were moving for jobs and for school. So we were pursuing our educations. And then we moved from Massachusetts to Maryland for my husband to do medical research. And then we moved to Ohio for him to do medical training. Then we moved to California so I could go to law school. And then we moved to Chicago so that he could continue doing his medical training. Then we moved to Tennessee because we thought we were going to live there forever. And then we moved back to Chicago because we realized that felt more like home to us. And I'm originally from Miami, Florida. So I got, you know, I've covered most of the U.S. <laughs> oh my gosh. Allie, let's jump right into something fun. Tell us, are there any mistakes that you've made through all your moving trials and tribulations that we can learn from? Any good stories? Uh, well, I've made plenty of mistakes <laughs> along the way. And, uh, I, it depends how long you guys have. I could tell you about all the different mistakes, but if I were just to break it down to two different mistakes, um, the first one is the one that is the most common mistake that many people make, and it is underestimating the amount of time it takes mm. to declutter and pack. And we were moving from Columbus, Ohio to Palo Alto, and we had a two-bedroom apartment. I, I just didn't think it was going to be that much work to get everything ready. And, you know, things in cabinets are like gremlins. Like, they just <laughs> multiply when you're not looking. And you, we all have more stuff than we think we do. Mm -hmm. And so that night, you know, the night before we're moving, at that point, this was just our second move of the 10 moves. And I just started shoving things into boxes. Like, okay, we just need to get this into the truck. And my husband is a master at putting things in the truck. It's like Tetris, where 
everything is exactly where it should be. And even still, we could not make everything fit. And so our two favorite beach chairs, we had to leave to the side and just throw in the dumpster because there wasn't enough room. And it's something that a lot of people make this mistake. So if you're moving, estimate at least 50% more time than you think you need Hmm. in order to declutter and get everything ready. That's the most common mistake. But I would say something that's less common but more traumatic that happened to me is that same move we were moving from Columbus, Ohio. We'd packed up the truck. And the next day, we wanted to get an early start on the road to move to California. And we had our U-Haul truck. And behind it, we had a trailer. And on top of the trailer, we had our Black Honda Passport. And we were moving 2,500 miles. And we just waxed the car. So we're like, you know, it would be really, really smart for us to cover up our car. So we had gotten a canvas car cover and we cinched it on tight to our Honda Passport. We were high fives, like we did it, we loaded the truck, <laughs> let's go, this is awesome. We had gotten onto the highway, we're listening to Tom Petty, Free Fallen. <laughs> like, yeah, this is gonna be awesome. And we start driving along the highway and the truck starts to feel a bit unstable. Oh no. And Yes. And so we're like, oh, it's probably the wind or something. And we look outside and it is a picture perfect August summer day, not a cloud in the sky. And we're like, okay, we keep going and cars start honking at us. And so we're thinking, well, it's a moving truck. We're going to be slow. Just go around. And then a guy pulls up next to my husband, Dan. He's in a Toyota Camry and he's he's trying to tell us something, but we're on the highway, so we can't understand (laughs) it. He just has his eyes wide. He's shaking his head and he points to the back of our truck and he zooms away. So at this point, Dan looks in the rearview mirror and he sees our Honda Passport to the left of our U-Haul truck. (gasps) Oh, no. And then he looks again and sees it at the right side. Oh, no. And then the car starts going left and right and left and right and left and right. It's like the tail wagging the dog where it's now taking our U-Haul truck with the trailer, like slithering across the highway like a giant snake. And we go over to the side. Dan stops the car. We look at each other. He's like, are you okay? Yes, are you okay? And then we burst out laughing because we're alive and we made it. We get out of the car and we oh take the canvas car cover and we realize that a canvas car cover makes a very impressive parachute. Oh my <gasps> gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry to laugh, but I mean, that's... Uh... It was terrible. It was, so this is my moving tip. It's less common. <laughs> that is less common. put a canvas cover on your car when you're trailing it. And what's funny is I told the story at one of my book talks and a woman came up to me afterwards and said, thank you for telling that story. We're going on a road trip tomorrow and we had the car cover <gasps> oh. on our car that we were trailing. See? See? Saved my life. There you <laughs> go. This book saves You're lives. You're saving out. lives. Like one person, <laughs> right? Even if you save one person from parachuting their car off the back of the trailer, you've done a good job. Thank you. <laughs> you know, one of the issues parents have, I think, especially when they first have kids or when their kids hit school age, is that they're not sure whether they should move or not. And there tends to be often a challenge, especially for city people like me, about whether they should move to the suburbs, what they're giving up, what they're getting. And you have really good tips in the book about that. And I want to know, like, how do you even make the decision to move in the first place? Like, what are some of the things people can ask themselves or to decide whether it's right for them? That's a very good question. It's hard sometimes to know whether you should move or not, especially when it's 
more than just you moving. And so I have things in the book of ways to really look inward. There is no right or wrong reason to move. Everyone has different reasons. And so if you can list on a piece of paper, just write down what your five life goals are, what's important to you, and then think of the reason why you're moving. So if for you, it's very important at this point in your life to have a better career and yet you're moving to be closer to family, like maybe that's not the best choice for you or vice versa, where if on your life goals, money is not on the top of that list, then maybe moving for a higher paying job is not the best choice for you. And again, I have things like a lot of fun quizzes in the in the book because I wanted to make moving a little bit lighthearted, but also to have the opportunity for you to think about what's important to you. Like we had made a move from Chicago to Knoxville, Tennessee, and it turned out not to be the right place for us, even though on paper, everything looked perfect. There was no state income tax, a lower cost of living, beautiful weather, like everything on paper, it, it was perfect. And yet when we got there, it wasn't the right choice for us. It was difficult for us to make friends when we were there. And there were a lot of things that I missed about the city that we lived in. Like we used to live where you could walk out the street and I would run into all sorts of moms pushing their kids in the strollers. And we moved to a beautiful house in the suburbs, but it was very very lonely living in the suburbs. So so your question about, you know, city to suburban living, just figuring out what is important to you. And I wish that we had done more looking at ourselves and what we really need in a city or in a location for us to be happy. That makes a lot of sense. And I was going to say, you know, that part of your book, you know, the honesty that you shared, like this really looked on paper like a great decision. You made a lot of lists and there were, you know, pros and cons or whatever you decided to pull from, you know, the reasoning of doing this. And then you're like, nope. And I was actually surprised. I thought this, it wasn't going to go that direction. It was like, oh, surprise ending. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't I didn't realize that was going to happen, but I think that a lot of people struggle with that, right? Like you're thinking in your head, this is going to be great. You know, these are important things. Yes, schools are important. You know, taxes, that's important. But the values, the things that you value as a person and a family sometimes don't make those lists. So I love that you are really pushing people to think about those things before they're moving. It's not necessarily the things that you might put at the top of, you know, whatever list you're making. You know, every so often we'll look at like real estate in random cities and we'll go, oh my God, for the price of our apartment, look what we could get in whatever town USA. And then we think, yeah, but then we'd have to wake up there every morning. And for me, <laughs> that would probably kill me. So I also love the charts and lists and activities that really force you to look at your priorities. And I think it's also this idea that the grass is greener somewhere else with the lower cost. And so if you write it all down on paper and see where you are right now might be the right place for you. So doing all of these charts and, and journaling, and I recommend having a gratitude journal that's specific to where you live, because you'll learn a lot about yourself if you write down like why do I love living in New York or in Pennsylvania or wherever you are to write down okay this is why I love this today this is what I've really enjoyed doing here in the last three months and this is what I'm looking forward to in the next three months so you have like an overview for six months of why do you love where you live and then when you start looking at other cities do those cities offer those opportunities mm -hmm. and if they don't that doesn't necessarily mean it's not the right place for you but at least you have an idea of what might be different and you'll be ready for those changes and you can embrace that that okay it's a new adventure but having the knowledge just helps with the change that is really really smart
another smart thing about the book, there are many, is your declutter method, which there's a lot of tough love that happens <laughs> in this section. You do not mess around. And it is very specific to an impending move. However, when I was reading through it, I realized so many of your tips and tricks and advice, you know, you can use if you're not moving anytime soon. And there are many things that we can learn from this. So can you just give us the broad strokes of this declutter method? Sure. So in talking specifically about the move, the one major difference I would say is that it's different than sparking joy because weight and size matters. So mm. I do talk about in the book what kind of order you should do in order to deal with kind of the bigger, heavier items. But in terms of anyone who is looking to declutter and especially decluttering with kids, I have three kids and they had my youngest had moved into her fourth house by the time she was a little older than two. So we had moved a lot with our three children and I wanted decluttering to be part of their life, that they they know it's okay to declutter, that they would be willing to part with items. And so I started this thing, it's a toy store that we do at our house and I collect all of the toys from everywhere in the house and bring them into the basement. And I will set up a toy store where I have, you know, the Barbie dolls in one section, the Hot Wheels cars and the puzzles and the games and any bins that have like a lot of the little figurines. I'll just empty the bin, I'll flip it over, I put a blanket on it and I lay out every single figure so that when the kids come shopping, they can see everything individually. I give the kids a shopping bag and a stack of post-it notes and they all stand on the basement stairs and I just say, the Wenske toy store is opening for business. I lift up my arm and they go <laughs> sprinting into the toy store. <laughs> and in the beginning, they buy everything. Like they just start shoving everything into the bag. They're putting post-it notes on everything. And I think, oh my gosh, all this work. <laughs> and they're just rebuying it all. <laughs> and then after a while, they slow down and they're not purchasing all of their toys. And amazingly, there are dozens and dozens of toys left over. I let them do one more run through just to make sure they didn't miss anything. But in the end, there's so much that we are able to donate or to sell. And this has really changed the way that we declutter in our house because it's no longer a question of, you know, keep or donate, keep or donate on every single item. They find it empowering that they're buying whatever they want. They're not getting rid of things. They're not making the choice to lose something. They're making the choice to keep something. And they really, they have fun. They're like, when are we doing decluttering weekend again, mom? <laughs> it's a yearly tradition. And they also see the benefits of it, of having a clean house and organized now by category because it's already been organized so it's great for packing because you already have all of your specific toys in certain areas or if you're just doing this at home you've already organized everything so it's really easy to just put all the barbies in one container and the puzzles in one area so it's a lot of fun and the kids love it and we get rid of a lot of things i think i might have to do this with my underwear an old bronze sock drawer would that like that be a store <laughs> who wants to shop for my old underwear drawer <laughs> i think that's so clever i just love all the decluttering stuff like as our listeners might remember and kristen definitely knows i finally cleaned out a storage cage that I had in Manhattan for like nearly 20 years. I cannot believe how much money I was paying for like literally, I think I kept like three boxes of stuff mm, and wow. donated nearly everything else to Housing Works. And most of it was just like old papers that could be recycled. It was crazy. It really made me realize like how much I hold on to things and how the prospect of moving, if we were to move, would
would be probably more intimidating to me because of the massive scope of the packing and purging. And it really put me in kind of a decluttering mindset, like do it before I need to do it. Mm -hmm. And I like that you kind of talk about that, like that you can declutter before we move so that it's not something that you only do when you move, but if you kind of keep it going throughout your life, then you won't have the need for like the big, crazy, scary purge. <laughs> so I wanna know like, what are some of the tips you have for Marie Kondoing alley style? <laughs> so one of the things I recommend is, I, I don't know if you've seen the Netflix show with Marie Kondo, and I love Marie Kondo, but I found it overwhelming to see all of the clothes piled up on the bed when they're decluttering everything. And I think if you are decluttering, it can seem like a a lot if you're trying to tackle an entire category at once. And I know most of us, we don't have you know, a ton of time to be tackling all the different areas. So my recommendation is to do it by subcategory. Just do your sweaters, just do your underwear drawer, like one small section where when I do it, I lay out all the sweaters in my bed, or if I want to have my husband maybe declutter his sweaters, I'll lay his sweaters out on the bed and <laughs> just have the same thing where you're going shopping and you're picking the items you want to keep instead of necessarily touching every single item. You only have the subcategory and you can go through it quickly. And it takes away some of that mental energy that you spend of deciding on each item when you're just doing a quick scan of all of your items. So I recommend doing it by subcategory. It's yeah. more manageable. I that. love that. I have enough um, tiki's and flip-flops that I literally will just <laughs> declutter the flip-flops. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll feel great after it. Yeah, I'm sure all of us have like one thing where we're like, wow, I didn't even realize I had this many mismatched champagne glasses or this many <laughs> books from college classes that I don't need. Like there's something that I think everybody hangs on to that's surprising. So I love the idea of just a single category at a time, which is less intimidating than, oh my God, I have to do my whole closet. <laughs> yes. That pile, when I was watching the show, and I love a good declutter, don't get me wrong, I love it. But this idea of taking every single thing out of your closet just kind of makes me want to go hide under a blanket or something. I just, it's, it's intimidating. And I think for people who don't love decluttering, it's got to be more intimidating because then you're just like, what do I do? Where do I start? And it's much easier than to just walk away <laughs> instead of instead of actually tackling the task. So I think that's great advice. And the toy store thing for kids, super helpful. But let's talk more about moving with families. So you did a lot of your moves with kids and it's tricky, right? And it's not just about stuff. There are friends, the environment is familiar for them and they're going to a new place. So what are a few things that you have told families that perhaps you've done yourself that can help prep kids and help them cope with what can be very disruptive in their lives. Yes. So I've spoken with many families about their move, and this is always their number one concern is how can I help my kids? The first step is just the talk. A lot of parents have anxiety about what to say to the kids when they move. And so I recommend having the why, the when, and the where. So why are you moving? When are you moving and where are you moving? And then having three reasons why the move is going to be a fun adventure for your family. And the reason that there are three reasons and three reasons only is because the happiness research shows that if you start thinking of 13 reasons that you're happy or grateful, then you don't feel as happy as if there were only three. And so imagine that you're telling your kids all of these different reasons and the 13th reason is, well, it's an hour away from an opera house that you'll love. That's what they'll think. They'll be like, why are we moving for that? <laughs> so just think of three reasons. Like maybe you're going to be closer to family. Maybe you'll have a bigger yard with a swing set, like whatever it is, think of those three reasons, but realize when you're having the talk that you may just get to the 
hey, kids, we're moving and there may be tears. So you might not give those three reasons right away in the talk, but just having those as you're having the conversations with the children. A second thing is to explain the similarities and differences of where you are moving to, if it is to a different location. But even if it's just a house in a different neighborhood, there was a mom that I was talking to and she was moving 10 minutes away didn't think it was going to be a big deal for her kids. And her son was six years old and he was crying in his bedroom. And she's like, what's wrong, Max? Why, what's what's the matter? And he said, well, what are we going to do about Louie, our dog? Are we going to put him in the kennel? And she never thought about the fact that her kids wouldn't know. Like, of course we bring the dog. <laughs> He's part of the family. Aww. But kids don't always understand what happens with a move. So just telling your kids like, okay, now you're going to be taking the school bus instead of carpooling or the house might be a little bit smaller because we're moving to a more expensive area. Just getting them ready for what the differences are can help. A third thing to do is to have your child have a sense of control over the move because kids feel like they have no control, that their whole life is being turned upside down. So any little bits of control that you can give them, that's, you know, have them help you with the decluttering and the packing. Maybe they can help design what their new room will look like or pick a paint color, but just something where they feel like they are part of the process can be really helpful. I think that's really smart. You know, I have one kid who it's so hard for her to change anything that we were just redoing her room and she was stressed out about even like changing the paint color or, you mm. know, like getting a new mm. closet. And so we put them in front of the computer and we were like, hey, look at all this stuff at Pottery Barn Teen or, you know, like we tried to get them excited. Mm -hmm. I think that's also a great tip that you bring up about putting kids in control and letting them feel like they have an active role in it. It, it gives them something yes. to look forward to. And in fact, you go into that a lot in the book about how setting up a new home can like make you happy and that it can be kind of exciting. You don't have to focus on the drudgery of the moving itself, but like that you have this new fresh start and I like that perspective. So I wanted to know what other suggestions you have, like even for things that we can do to our homes now to make it feel new and fresh, even if we're not moving. Yes, yeah, so my book is written in a way where you can kind of skip around chapters, whatever relates to you and whether you're moving or not. One of the things that I hope the people who are moving read is chapter 13, I talk about the fresh start and how 36% of successful habit changes are attributed with a move to a new place. That means that over a third of people who changed their habits did it because they moved. So I have a lot of you know fun charts in there that you can think about habits you might wanna change. And this is something, even if you are not moving, that you can think about what are, it's kind of like New Year's resolutions of what you would wanna do in your house or in your life. If you are not moving, I would recommend imagining that you're gonna put your house on the market this spring. What would you do? How would you stage your house? I've talked to so many people that are putting their house on the market and then they think, oh, okay, well, let's fix up the yard. We're gonna paint. We're gonna, maybe we'll remodel the kitchen. All these things that they're doing for the buyers, <laughs> but it's all the things that they love and they, oh, I I wish we had done that years ago. Do it for yourself. Think of all the things that you would want to do in your home if you were going to sell and put it on your list. Actually, when I was writing this book and researching about staging a house, I thought, I think we need, we should paint. We, should. <laughs> so we repainted our house. We redid our living room. Like It's just good to think of, you know, enjoy your space. Years go by so fast. And then we get to the point, okay, well, now it's time to sell. 
And then we put all this love and time and effort into making the house ready for a buyer. So so do it for yourself. Mm. You know, one thing I love is you have a lot of suggestions as to how to do that specifically. And one thing I think you did that's brilliant is you have these charts for each of the different rooms in your home broken into four categories of your senses, feeler, looker, listener, and sniffer. Can you talk more about that? Because I thought that was such a clever way to think about like, oh, okay, it's not just about the plush towels in the bathroom. Maybe I need scented soaps and maybe I need sconces that are aligned or the light bulbs that match. Maybe I need scented sconces. (laughs) (laughs) Cool mom picks. (laughs) I think that it's often overlooked. Like I think a lot of us when we're looking, we look at magazines or on Pinterest and we focus on the visual of our homes. But not all of us are necessarily visual people that that's our primary sense. And so I just had these you know, again, fun quizzes to kind of lighten things up a bit, but also where you're learning about yourself and the people in your home. I did it with my family as well of having them go through it. And I learned that my daughter is a listener, that she loves the sounds of our house, which I never would have known. And so maybe you are someone who loves different scents. So maybe you have essential oils or you focus on having scented soaps or candles or those scented sconces. Um, <laughs> yes, <something> those <laughs> fabulous new, newly invented scented sconces. Just to to really think of all the different parts of your house when you're going to shop, if you're at Home Goods and you're getting something, then maybe you go for the textures. Maybe the touch of a blanket is more important to you than the exact shade of the color or something. Again, it's more thinking of what makes you happy and what you would want to do in your home. That doesn't cost a lot of money. I love that you bring this up because when we moved into the house that I bought a few years ago, my daughter and my son were going to share the finished basement. I have four kids and we don't have 600 bedrooms. So people need to share. And when they went downstairs, you know, I didn't even notice. I'm like, this basement, look, it's like so warm and cozy and it feels so nice. And my daughter, who's the artist, looked at the paint on the wall and was like, we are changing this immediately. It looks like (laughs) like baby poop. And I had not even noticed it. I was like, it's fine. What's wrong with it? And she had this like visceral reaction to the color of the paint. And I think that's a perfect example, right, of two people in the same family who see or feel completely different things about a space. Yes, and it's, so if it's your daughter's space or if, you know, you're know you moving with kids, it's great to know what matters to them. And it might be different than what we might think of. And it's at all ages that you can do this. Of Okay, well, maybe my kid wants to have a radio in their room so that they can listen to music and that's the most important thing or the paint color, whatever it is. It's great to know as a family that everyone has different tastes. I, I like that. And I, I think that also goes back to just getting the kids involved and excited and feeling like they have control and power over it too. So as you wrote the book and reflected back on all your different moves, what do you think the process of moving so much has taught you as a person and a parent? Like what are the bigger things that have come out of this that have shaped you in positive ways? The biggest thing for me personally from all of my moves was I have a much deeper sense of gratitude than I ever did before. And gratitude for the people in my life. You know, we've made friends all across the country and I realize how important my friendships are to me and that you need to put effort into those friendships. A lot of my best friends live in New York City, so I will go visit New York City as often as possible. We'll talk on the phone, just making the effort for the friendships because I know how important they are. Um, And then also gratitude for where I live, just really appreciating. I I love living in Chicago. Anytime I go to the lake, like I'm grateful that I can be there or going downtown and seeing a show. Just, I feel so grateful for where I am in life right now and 
I appreciate what I have after all the different moves that we've gone through. I love the gratitude idea. I think that we need more of that. And, you know, this idea of connecting with friends is so important because I think as we get older and our kids get older, it becomes more of an effort. I think Liz can attest to this too. Like you really need to make an effort no matter where you are to stay in touch with your friends. So I just love that that was something that called to you as a person. So now as a parent, what have you learned? You have more patience than you think? I don't know. I'm waiting. <laughs> you can lift heavy things. <laughs> um, as a parent, I have really learned about resilience and the resilience in my children is incredible. And every family that I've talked to that have gone through the moves, it's the same story again and again, the resilience of our children, where I know that they can be thrown into any situation and they will be fine. They can handle it, that they do it on their own. And you watch your kids as they're going through, you know, moving to different cities or different schools, and you see them starting again and making new friends and building a community and just throwing themselves out there. It's amazing. And so I'm so proud of my children and I've learned a lot about resilience through them. Oh, I think that's so wonderful and positive. I'm proud of them. It is incredible when you see kids and what they can do, and they can do so much. And every family I've talked to, unanimously, they say, my kids are stronger because of it, because they've gone through it, and they know they can do it, because they've survived it. You know, I host a lot of workshops in the Chicago area to help kids adjust to a new school, and you see the kids in the beginning, and they're so nervous, and we go through some body language tips, and by the end, they're standing up, and they're confident, and they're introducing themselves to other kids, and it is amazing to watch. So I, I love seeing it. It's like one of my favorite things to do, because kids are amazing. Kids do amazing things. Okay, Allie, so your book is called The Art of happy moving, how to declutter, pack, and start over while maintaining your sanity and finding happiness. It's such a wonderful gift to give somebody else, but you can give it to yourself. You've got lots of helpful lists and charts and quizzes. It's such a great book. So people can find that wherever you buy your books. Um, but what if people want to connect with you online? Where are you on social media? And, you know, talk a little bit about your website. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest at Ali Wensky. And I love connecting with readers. And also I have my website, Art of Happy happymoving.com and it has a lot of resources on there that are free moving checklists. If you go to the resources page, it's like a one-stop shop for moving so you can compare moving trucks and companies and schools. And I just wanted to make it really easy. There would be one place that you can just check out everything for your move. So artofhappymoving.com. It's wonderful. It's so good. And it's a beautiful book, by the way. Like the publishers, who is it? It's William Morrow. They did an extraordinary job. It's just a gorgeous book. Like I said in the beginning, as someone who's not moving, I love this book. So I really hope that our listeners will pick it up or download a copy on Kindle. You will get a lot out of it. So Allie, now it's time for... Cool Books of Cool picks of the week. And as our guest, you get to go first. Ooh, so I have a cool mom pick, Move for Hunger. And their primary thing that they do is that they help you get rid of any unperishable food items that you no longer want when you're moving. So the moving <gasps> company will take it from you and take it straight to a food pantry, which is fantastic. Yes. There's a second part of it, though, which every PTO mom or dad should know about, and they help with food drives. So they will come to your school. They'll drop off the boxes from a moving company. You put all the canned goods in there from your food drive at school and move for hunger. will take it to the food pantry of your choice. Wow. So instead of you, like I've done a zillion food drives with the school, instead yeah. of you like taking all those brown paper bags and stuffing them in your minivan with six other parents and then <laughs> yes. getting there and taking all the stuff out, they handle everything from start to finish. And it's free. You don't pay anything. And they handle all the heavy lifting. 
and they also weigh all the food so you know how many meals you have provided. Ugh. Wow, Ugh. Allie, that's one of the coolest cool picks of the week. I love it. Yeah, that is a really good one. And now mine just doesn't seem that great. <laughs> <laughs> it's all I might great. have to declutter my cool. cool pick of the week. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Mine is actually something I discovered at a recent trip to Ulta. You know, if I was to move or if I were to move, which is it, Liz? Were to move? I if I was to, to move. move. Okay, one of those. I would definitely <laughs> have to go through my makeup drawer because I have a little problem. And that is because when you go up to the checkout at Ulta, there are all those little tiny things, right, that you feel like are samples, but they're still kind of expensive. <laughs> anyway, I tried the Benefit Pore Primer set. It's a mini set because I don't wear a ton of makeup, but I feel like by the end of the day, I have nothing on. It's like all the 10 minutes I took in the morning <laughs> to put on my makeup are now for nothing. So what it does is it really just helps keep your makeup on. It primes your face. And what I've noticed when I use it, it's really soft and it feels good going on your face, is that I actually am using less of my BB and CC creams. So that's kind of cool. So you end up saving on your foundation or whatever else you're putting on as your base. So it's the Benefit Pore Primer mini set. Uh, I think it's like 22 bucks or whatever, and you get three different ones that you can try. I'll be honest, I am no YouTube makeup artist, so I can't tell the difference between the three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to go with the blue tube today and see what happens. Just give it a try. I've been, you know, really enjoying it. And I feel like I have a face for podcasting, ladies. <laughs> oh, stop it. No, I'm just saying you you can't see my skin. But let me just tell you, I'm touching my face right now and it, it feels fabulous. Listeners, <laughs> she looks fabulous, too. You can trust me on that one. And, you know, Kristen, this <laughs> makes me think we should do like a decluttering your makeup drawer episode and just talk about Ugh. the stuff we bought over the years that we actually kept that oh, are worthwhile. That's a good one. All right, writing that down while you give us your cool pick of the week. So my cool pick along the lines of freshening up the home, I got new sheets. Ooh, <laughs> so new excited. sheets. It literally That's took me fun. weeks to find something I loved because I wanted something kind of mid-century and modern, but not kitschy. And none of the big shops had them, none of the big websites. And I was like, duh, let me look on Etsy where we always find so much great stuff. So I found this amazing, amazing shop called Roostery. And they do tons of, we got duvets and a couple of pillow shans just to freshen things Ooh. up a bit. And um, they have gorgeous stuff, gorgeous fabrics, a lot of it by Spoonflower. And I mean, literally like 6,300 items on their site, but you can sort through it really well and really easily. Anyway, they came yesterday and I'm so happy because sometimes you don't know with Etsy. I was just going to say, sheets on Etsy, I, I wouldn't have thought of it. So I'm glad you told us. Well, it was the duvet cover and the sham. So I guess not sheets okay. exactly, okay. it's bedding, okay. it's bedding. And it came beautifully packaged with beautiful tags, like really lovingly packaged. Nice job. So anyway, that's my pick of the week. If you're looking for something a little more modern, or different than you're finding in your department stores, look at Roostery on Etsy. Woohoo! Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen, and our guest, Ali Wensky, the author of The Art of Happy Moving. And hey, there are a few things you can do to help spread the word and support 
respond. This podcast right here, the one you're listening to right now and enjoying and loving. First, you can subscribe so you never miss an episode. It's easy to just tap the subscribe button right now on whatever device happens to be in your hands or in your vicinity. You can download or save our episodes. You can leave us a nice five-star review with some witty, pithy comments. We could even read them on the air if they're that wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, the best thing you can do is tell a friend or family member about our podcast. Okay, there's some big news we have to announce, Liz. I don't even know if you know what this is. I might surprise you with this big news. Are you ready? Yes. We are recording our next special Valentine's Day on Valentine's Day episode live and in person together. I'm so excited. We haven't done that for a while. I know. It's been a really long time. We've got a special guest who's going to be joining us. So here's the deal. We put this out in our Spawned podcast community on Facebook. So if you're not a member, now's the time to go over because we want to answer your Valentine's Day related questions live when we're all together in our engineer John Bowen's awesome recording room in Brooklyn. So if you've got something you want us to talk about, nothing is off limits, you know right, what? Liz? It doesn't even have to be about Valentine's Day because it'll probably That's run true. after Valentine's Day since we're recording on the 14th. <laughs> so uh, it's like the AMA, Ask Me Anything episode. Anything? <laughs> Maybe not anything, but we don't have to answer anything, but you can ask anything. <laughs> we're That's open true. to it. That's and hey, true. we'd love but- to have you join us in our Spawn podcast community so you can get the heads up on things like that and participate and hey even help shape an episode if you want us to do the uh makeup purge episode maybe we should do that if you have any other ideas we'd love to hear them too and you can tell us these things by emailing us spawned at coolmompics.com or hitting us up on social media we're on twitter facebook and instagram at coolmompics you can use the hashtag spawn show just in case we have trouble finding your tweet among the many many tweets that we get just kidding (laughs) about our podcast twitter is only for (laughs) politics these days anyway thank you so much for listening to spawn this is liz and this is Kristen. have a great day bye